Hi, I'm Neelam. I work at Red Carpet Glamour out of Ottawa, Ontario, and I'm also the creator of an amazing lash app for you guys that helps you digitize your consultation forms and all your client notes. Um, it's called Lashes Pro. Obviously, you can tell I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at Lash Assist Pro. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the Lash Cast Podcast, and here's your host, Paul Livers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm very excited today because we have Cheryl Pang from Untamed Artistry on our podcast, and she is a hoot. She is, I use the word hoot, what, I don't know why. It's just, she's, she's quirky, she's different, she's definitely someone that I, I connect with, someone like a nerd like me, it's exciting to get someone like that on board, and we're just so excited to have her come and join us and talk about some really cool stuff, talking about what it means just when she started her brand, the why she started her brand, and really pursuing happiness what that means and how she goes about that and just what it was like to start her own brand or right now really in the midst of starting her own brand so it's gonna be a great episode for you i think you'll take a lot away from it but before we get into that i definitely want to talk to you guys about guess what lashcon that's right lashcon is only a month away. I cannot believe it. We are so excited here. There's so much to do, but we are ready for you guys who are coming. We have about 200, a little over 230 people right now have signed up to come. We believe we'll get somewhere between 250 to 300, hoping for 300, but that said, it's going to be an amazing time, and you guys don't want to miss it. And most importantly, what I really feel like, aside from learning about business, guys, which is so important, it's really about being connected with each other. We all work alone. We all are kind of doing our own thing. It's Our neighbor is our competitor a lot of times. So it feels like we can't have a community. And when we went to IBS, I learned so much by just watching the way people connected and just were so hungry for a friend in this industry, not just a hairstylist, but someone who's doing lashes just like you. And that's what IBS was for us when we got there and met and connected with the people and went to the parties. And we wanted to recreate that at LashCon, a chance for you to find your tribe, to find your voice and find your community of people who will support you and help you through all the thick and thin. And that's what LashCon is going to be about. And then the bonus is you're going to learn a lot about business. You're going to learn about marketing. You're going to learn how to get control of your business and level it all up. So guys, don't miss out. Signups are still going on. We sold out VIP, but we still have business tickets. And you can get your tickets by going to LashCon.com or go to our Instagram page at last.com and look up all the information, click on the links and you can sign up today. While plane tickets are still relatively affordable, if you wait till a week or two before, it's going to be crazy. Plus our prices go up in about a week or two and that will be the top price, which is over a thousand dollars. So you don't want to go there. So sign up today. I promise you, this is going to change your life and your business. Second thing, remember, we need guest announcers. We're down to like two or three left in the can. So if you've been wanting to get on, your, on this show and promote yourself and just help support our podcast and be part of our community, please submit, go to the show notes and then read that script there and submit it via audio. We're going to make a small change in it. So it'll be a little bit new when you see it today on this podcast. And so please do that. And thirdly, please, we need this from you guys. We want to get to where we have audio questions. Right now we're just reading questions. We did one audio one so far, but we really want you guys 
to submit not just uh, you know, written questions. No, we get tons of those, but I know it's a little more scary to put your voice and everyone hates their voice. Trust me, it's nowhere close as bad as mine, and you'll be fine. So please submit those audio questions to us, Paul at Integrity Lash, or no, Paul at LashCastPodcast.com. Just go, you'll see in the show notes where to send it, or DM it to us. Actually, don't DM, just send it through email. That's the way we're going to need your questions. Anyhow, guys, this is going to be a a great podcast. I think you're going to really enjoy getting to know Cheryl, and uh, let's get into it. the crew. I'm with Erica and Tusney and with our special guest, Cheryl Pang from Untamed Artistry, which is what we love to call it is the product company for Lash Nerds. Or as she would call it, Cheryl, you want to share what you, you call it? The quirkiest lash brands out there. Yes. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited to have you on. And we got the, I don't, I don't, I don't remember where I first met you. I just remember you just popped up on our radar at some point and I <laughs> he's followed like, you. He's like watching this firecracker. He's like, check, check it, check out this girl, Cheryl. She's so fun. Yeah. There's a, like the fresh voice on Instagram that does lashes. That's not just trying to be everyone else. It was like, I think it's Erica actually. Um, I had reached out or we were just talking and then Erica told me that how like, you know, I should definitely reach out to you guys mm-hmm. because I saw you guys were doing LashCon, which is super, super exciting. Yeah. And that's like where my passion is, mm-hmm. business marketing. Um, so I reached out to you actually and wanted oh, to right. participate in LashCon. And, and you are. Yeah. She's going to be one of our volunteers. Yeah. Yes, and I will. we're really excited to have Cheryl do that and be part of it. So you guys will get to meet her and the fun that she brings to our industry. It's she just brings great. the quirk. Yes, yeah. she brings the quirk. Yeah. So before we get into talking about things with Cheryl and getting to know her a little bit, we always like to start our time together talking about something we're grateful for, and I've come completely unprepared, so I'm going to go last, mm-hmm. and I think Erica is ready to go, so let's... Okay, uh, I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to set the tone here. Uh-oh, okay. something sad or serious. <laughs> kind of. Oh, great. No, not really. Um, <laughs> it's happy. It is happy. So oh. um, my four-year-old nephew mm. has cancer. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't excited about that. Uh, I know, I know. Totally like the wrong excitement. I'm just excited oh to hear about an update. Sorry, oh, okay, yeah. No. So uh, he just finished his last round of chemo last week. Ah. So he's done with his treatment. I mean, it's going to be like a long road of constant testing and like kind of, you know, monitoring his his uh, progress and everything. But he's done with all the bad treatments and having to go to the doctor and get pokies, which is what he calls oh, it. Yeah. Is so, he in remission? Well, so he has something called medumo, medu, wait, what is it? Medumoblastoma. I think mm-hmm. that's how you say it. It's in the brain. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was a tumor at the back of his brain and they removed it completely oh, before wow. he started treatment. So that was the first thing oh. that they did. It was an 11 hour surgery. They removed it, but they, he had to go into treatment because it is a very fast growing yeah. type of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most common type of um, childhood cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. In and, the brain? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. I'm so, pretty sure. Maybe it's the most common type of brain cancer. I don't yeah. want to miss. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, I don't think anyone's grading here for yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> like notes. I know it what Erica common, said. It is common, though. It's just common. It's common, that's, yeah. that's the point. But um, so it is very fast growing. So they had to do treatment to make sure no uh, 
remaining cells were going to spread and everything. So yeah. it's been almost a year since it all started and it's yeah. been a long road and, yeah. but he never lost like his, his spunk and he's very resilient. And so we're just, his hair starting to grow back Aww. and we're super excited. Oh, so that is, that is one. Yeah. It's probably news. like the most yes. thing I could ever be thankful yeah, for. Yeah. That's wow. super cool. That's so, really good. How about you, Tess? Well, now mine sounds like <laughs> yeah, we're all shallow. Back I told you, yeah. I said it was a tone. Hey, you can do something. You can do whatever you okay, want. Okay, I'm gonna do whatever you want. Maybe we can just tag along with you this time. We're all thankful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankful. You're just <laughs> saying that because you don't want to come up with one. Uh, You're just like, uh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I have, have one, by the way. I thought of oh, one good. finally. Well, do you want to go? No, no. Okay. I'm still rethinking it now after Erica said hers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, mine sounds kind of lame now, but okay, I'm thankful for two things, okay? The first one is the ability to change your mind, okay? So, okay, okay let me explain this. Wow. Let me explain. I, I can account for that. I, I've experienced that quite a bit. You know, just, you're changing your mind. You know, I, I guess being grown up enough to realize, oh. Let's move the couch here. Nope. <laughs> Let's move it here. Nope. <laughs> no, one time I think I made you hold up a, hold up a picture and, and, and you're like, uh, she and I left stepped the room. room. I totally forgot. I forgot about it. I'm sitting in the, the room pictures. with this picture Standing. sweating, going, Tuss, Tuss, oh can God, you come I back? I forgot. Yeah, that was beautiful. I feel like you're about to say something profound. Uh, like you're like thankful for free okay. will almost. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, it's not. Now, now I'm going to like bait and switch you. Okay, so actually, I'm thankful that you get to change your mind, but it centers around shoes. Okay. okay so, okay, so. Wow, I, okay. I used I'm to totally be, out of this one now. Well, I used to be the kind of gal that just lived in high heel shoes. Four inches was yeah. the minimum, right? And it you had made to our be, staff wear oh four my, inch heels. Okay, so too. that's the thing, right? Like <laughs> I thought, okay, I wanted to have an image. I wanted everyone to wear high heels. And, you know, I researched, I got these like really cute like plastic shoes that were pretty comfortable, but still they're heels, right? And I don't know what it was. It's been a couple years ago. I just turned a corner and I realized, ugh. These high heels are really hard to work in. And, and I never thought I'd be that girl, you know. But I'm like, oh, comfortable shoes, you know, like orthotic orthotic sandals, you know. I never thought that I'd, I'd want them. But it's like to be comfortable is so important. And I realize, you know, that's more important than anything. So maybe we should have an apology for all the years okay, of making the true. staff wear it's high true. heels. Yes, I am so sorry, gals. I'm so sorry that I said high heel shoes and pencil skirts. Can you imagine wearing a pencil skirt with being, you know, trying to put your legs underneath the table. That was not a, a good idea, yeah. but um, I confess, <laughs> I confess. Please absolve me of that. You have been um, absolved, yes. and now you have to wear a pencil skirt and high heels for the rest of the day. That's my oh, oh, okay. yes, yes. I never had to wear the pencil skirt, but I had to wear high heels. Yes. Everyone did. I forgive you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so if you're Erica, listening, I have not be hired. <laughs> yes. It yes, oh, doesn't really fit the last nerd thing, huh? It doesn't. Nope. No, no, it's not, no, no. You got to be comfortable. That's what I came away with. You know, you, you have to be comfortable. I remember Paul offering me the job, and like the last thing he said was, you have to wear high heels. Is that okay? <laughs> I thought it was a joke, but then I realized he was serious, and I'm like, this is not going to be oh, my deal breaker. No. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> What's your heart? It was always like the last thing, because I know there's some people like, what? Yes, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. But the cool thing is you can change your mind, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. you can you change, change your, your mind. mind. Okay, so how about you? What do you think? No, no, we're going to go to Cheryl. Okay, all right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I'm grateful for two things too. Number one, thankful for being able to sleep in on a Monday. Yes. So I slept until 11.50 this morning. <gasps> wow. Man, I know. that is delicious. That's Dude, my dream. That's impressive. I'm envious. I sleep for like, I, I think I slept for like 11 hours yesterday and it was so good. And I love sleep. So oh, that's, that's delicious. what I'm grateful. Yeah. Nice. That's a good one to be grateful. And you, and said, you said the you second two? one, what's your second? Oh, the second one is being on this podcast because Aww. I literally eat, live, breathe podcast. So being going on this podcast is like a dream come true for me. I was like, I people sing in the shower, you know, and like, you know, what I do in the shower is like pretend to be interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. So that's what I'm extremely grateful for. Oh, cool. Yeah, so thank you guys so much. Well, no, thank you for saying yes. I mean, we kind of made this a last second thing too. We were just talking... I, I think I came on one of your lives and, yep. and then we said, hey, let's get you on. And it just kind of quickly yeah. made it work. So that was pretty cool. All right. For me, my thing that I'm thankful for, and this is something that actually it, it popped in my head. And I really am. I'm not just making something up here. I'm <laughs> being truthful. Our daughter just finished her first quarter at Noman Visual Effects School. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been a, gosh, she started thinking about this when she was like 14. So five years ago, when she was like 14, uh, she started talking about wanting to do more than just be an artist. She really wanted to go to visual effects or uh, game design or something like that. And we, we fortunately had a friend who runs one of the top visual effects schools in the country because we're in L.A. And so we started talking about getting her ready, prepped. And t- Fiona, literally for the last five years, has done nothing but prepare to get into the school. She, through high school, was not your typical teenage gal. She was not going out partying. She stayed home and, on Friday nights and would draw. She's kind of a nerd, actually, in a lot of ways. <laughs> she, you know, I think you would like her. I say that ah. she was not afflicted with the same silliness that I was as, no. a, as a teenager. So <laughs> She was focused, driven. She knew where she wanted to go. She spent 20, 30, 40 hours a week drawing, and she didn't care about anything but that. And she focus and got in and then she, we weren't sure, so sure I was gonna go and she did finish her first quarter and it did great and yeah. it went really well her instructors love her and think she's wonderful and that she's gonna be a in fact they're really surprised how young she is because mm-hmm. the program usually people enter a lot older because most people don't think they don't know what they want at 19 mm-hmm. so yeah. it's kind of unusual yeah. at, at this school to be 19 and really pursuing your passion like that so Anyway, I'm just really thankful for that because I think that's pretty cool. That's I, really cool. It's I, rare to be that focused and yeah. driven. And, yeah, and then be able to put all the distractions of the world mm-hmm. away. I mean, she really has. She has not had to run around and do all the crazy stuff. Uh, maybe one day she will. I hope not. But at least at this point, <laughs> she's really enjoying it and, and focused and, and just so proud of her. So yeah. that's that's my thing. Maybe. All right, so we went around the table, heard our things we're thankful for. And guys, we share this type of stuff because it's, I think it's a really important way to wake up and think about each day. And I know, Cheryl, since you mentioned this, I don't think you said in the podcast, we talked just before we got on the podcast, you mentioned you do this. Maybe you can tell us, you do this every day. You have a journal, a thankful yeah. journal that you share. Yeah, I do uh, a gratitude journal. And so every morning I will write down like three things I'm grateful for for the day. And then the mission that I'm trying to accomplish, if mm. like everything goes wrong, just if I get one thing done today, <laughs> what would it be? And then an affirmation. And then mm. I'll go into like a 10 minutes like meditation. Um, I find that if I don't, I get super, super <laughs> overwhelmed by so much stuff yeah. that meditation is like one of those things that like you don't know how useful it is because you're doing it every day and you're like 
what is this doing? It's doing nothing. And then you stop and then you're like, oh, crap. I should have done that. I should have not stopped. Yeah. So that's kind of like a bit of a morning routine of mine now. Well, uh, can you share with us what, in what ways have you seen it benefit? Like going through the gratitude and, and just being mindful and how has that benefited you? So for me, I think that, um, in the last few years in my transition, in my business, one of the biggest thing that I've learned is being in present in the moment and grateful. Uh, I've, I think a lot of people suffer from this in our industry. It's perfectionism, right? And trying to be perfectionist all the time means that you're the hardest critic on yourself. And I find that um, because I'm so hard on myself that gratitude has always been a little bit of a challenge for me, I guess. Mm. When people first proposed the idea of gratitude, I was like, what do you want me to say? I'm grateful for air. I'm breathing it every day. Like <laughs> I'm cares? grateful for it or not grateful for it. It's going to be there. Mm-hmm. So that was like, I go in with that kind of mindset initially because I'm like always expecting good things to happen because that's the way it is. When bad things happen, then like I haven't done enough. And mm-hmm. then by writing this has been really, really helpful to teach me to celebrate all the small wins mm-hmm. and yeah. then teach me mm-hmm. to celebrate something as small as getting 10 hours of sleep. Sometimes my gratitude is so tiny. That's literally like, oh, I had this piece of cake today. That was really <laughs> tasteful, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to keep it at things that I'm truly, genuinely grateful for so I don't have to feel like, I'm faking it. And then the mindfulness, it's, um, I told Paul this before, I used to play poker for a living for like five years. So I think that being in such a high stress work environment, I've always lived either in the past or the future. So it's Mm -hmm. always like what I want to achieve or what I haven't achieved enough. Mm -hmm. And in the last few years, practicing mindfulness had made me a much, much, much happier person, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the decision process that I take through in my business now. And I would say that like, it made me a lot more happier, a lot more content. 21 mm-hmm. year old Cheryl would have been like content. That's the worst word you can say, <laughs> because what are you content with? You're 21 years old. But now <laughs> like for me in the last few years, the words that I say the most is content. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm just content. And yeah, so that's what the changes that like gratitude journal and uh, meditation have brought to me in my life. That's awesome. I, I have heard it said that the practice of being thankful um, puts your mind in the state where you're looking for good things. Mm-hmm. And it actually does produce a character that is more happy. It's mm-hmm. more content, just like you said. Mm-hmm. I think we could all learn from that. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think what so. you said about not want to fake it. I know we tried this in our company, oh gosh, a year. Actually, I've tried a few times. <laughs> Two, three years ago was the first time. I heard it on a podcast, and I, I'm guessing maybe you've heard it on a podcast or made some friends or something, but I heard it there, and so I said, oh, this is such a cool idea. So we would start every morning off during our huddle. Let's share something we're thankful for. And it was this. It was like exactly what you said. People like what air, food. I mean, it was just like <laughs> it I, was always health and family. family yeah, that's family. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm thankful for my family. I'm like, okay, yeah. guys, can we try to go a little deeper? Try <laughs> to be mindful, like to really think about yeah. something you're thankful for. And I, and I realized it's not an easy muscle. It's, it's not something. It's a discipline. It doesn't just come because oh, I'm thankful now. Oh yeah, I'm thankful for all these things. Mm-hmm. You actually have to practice. It's like a new habit, and it takes time to get used to. And all that for you, uh, I was going to say with that, did you struggle with that first? Did you have a a system in place that made you do it? Like I said, do you have a journal where you write it down or something that would keep you accountable? 
So initially I started with the five minute journal. You can get that at like Barnes and Nobles or any like Canadian would be like Indigo. And those already list out like, you know, write down like, you know, your, what your gratitudes are, your affirmations, your mission or whatever. Okay. And then after a while, you know, $26 a year to buy a gratitude journal was a little ridiculous. So <laughs> now I just like do it. I love any like notebook mm-hmm. um, because it's the thought process that counts. So for me, meditation, uh, it's much easier when I use apps. Mm-hmm. So I like to use guided meditation. The app of my favorite choice is Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. And it's a free app that you can use. And it has a collection of many, many like guided meditation, music, sometimes it's just like sound. And Personally, I use it every night to go to sleep because I really love body scan as I fall asleep, uh-huh. just running through every body parts and then you just like doze off. That really helps with on-site insomnia. So the people who struggle with falling asleep, mm. I actually play this a lot when I use the lash. A mm-hmm. lot of my clients were high-functioning individual. Yeah. So coming to my studio was a time to wind down and unplug. So we either listen to podcasts or we listen to uh, guided meditation, like a sleep meditation for them. Mm. And then the morning time, I just like kind of depends on my mood of the day. Some days it's just music. Some days it's something guided. But Insight Timer, it's a great, great like free app to look into. And is that yeah. is that the one when you uh, the body scan one, the one that you use for your clients? Is, would, would, uh, you, would you say that that's good to use like when the client comes in and like they're super blinky and they just can't relax? Uh, w- would that be helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my favorite one is actually called Floating Amongst the Stars by Jason Stevenson. That's it's available on YouTube. Yeah. I'm, fl- I'm floating right do? now. I'm floating right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Artificially, YouTube, I just do it on my Shopify, own. Spotify, all those. Um, and so many like new moms love that because it's a combination of this like really great British accent, walk you through your <laughs> sleep meditation. And then it's like mixed with like white noise, which is really, really great. See, yeah. I think then, what it would be good is what you hear is a baby crying and someone slowly muffles it. And that just, <laughs> <laughs> and that makes you go, oh, peace and quiet, oh, finally. Mama. So, yeah, I know. so zen. Yeah, there you go. That's very zen for moms. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> okay, my quiet baby's quiet now. There you go. Um, but that's really cool. I never thought about something like no, that, that to help great. calm your client down and all that. I so think you could a- probably just have it like on your phone and just whip it out. And, 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 and you know, we've always had that client that's just like, you know, no matter what you, you say to them, they just can't calm down. Mm-hmm. You could have a little resource for them. Yeah, that's really cool. Pick your Zen yeah. moment and go. We have a bunch of stuff and we'll just see how far we get into it with you and all that. But I was really intrigued when we oh, talked yeah. about your kind of journey these last two, three years. You've obviously been bouncing around trying to find your place. And really the thing that was your center, it seemed like to be your driving force was what makes you happy. And Mm. you were beforehand not always pursuing, I think, what made you happy. Sometimes you were just doing, I don't know if it was out of duty or just because you were good at something or maybe because other people expected you to do something. But you had some ideas and thoughts. And we didn't 100% agree on everything, but I thought it was still really interesting, your perspective. And I know that last professionals... I mean, human beings in general, we all, I think, struggle with finding happiness, finding passion, finding something we really like to do and feeling good about it. And I know you had some thoughts on that. I'd love to kind of explore that to get this started. Yeah. Well, I think pursuit of happiness is probably like the purpose of life, right, for most people. Mm -hmm. And I have by no means understand it or say that I haven't figured it out. But I think that's something that's been really 
I guess, useful for me in the last few years is kind of the mindset that I've employed of this whole um, how yes or how no mentality. Hmm. So it's basically anything I want to do, I ask myself, will this make me happy? And if my answer comes back, it's how yes, then I would do it. And if my answer comes back, it's how no, then I would just learn to say no to it. Because I realize that for every yes you're saying to, you're saying no to a lot, a lot of things that mm-hmm. might make you happier. And I've also come to learn that, um, yeah, like you said, I think it's really hard that we have these expectations of like, you know, what people want you to do or what people think it's the right thing to do or what you think people think it's the right thing to do and um and doesn't leave us with a lot of room to kind of look internally and ask ourselves like what makes me happy mm-hmm. and you're right i i think that so many people are you know have these outside expectations of themselves and it's very hard and it takes courage to go against the grain and say that well i don't really want to do that like yeah. i want to mm-hmm. do something different and in the last few years i've slowly build up a little bit more courage, a little every day at a time to kind of be able to do that, to like do the things that genuinely, truly makes me happy. And so every time I do anything in my business, I will ask myself the question, like, is this fun? Like, mm-hmm. will this ultimately lead me to being happy? And if the answer is yes, then I would say, okay, if the answer is no, then no matter how many people are doing it, no matter how good I can be, at doing it, I would still have to say no because I think uh, for high-functioning individual, type A personality or people like to call that, um, they are always a victim of like doing things that they're good at but not necessarily enjoy, hmm. right? Right, right. Because you don't want to let go, you don't want to outsource. You're probably a combination of control freak or something where you just like doing things. Yeah. You're doing things simply because you're good at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you feel like it's almost a responsibility of yours to do those things. Um, I once listened to a podcast that was so inspiring to me that the woman just like telling, talking about how, you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. Mm -hmm. The moment that registered in my head and like I made peace with it, I was able to stop doing so many things that I think I'm quote unquote good at, but mm. don't want to do, mm. you know? Yeah. Help so, you to focus and, and determine like, I'm not going to do everything. I'm just going to find those things that really make me, give me joy. Is it kind of like that gal who does the throwing out your garbage? Uh, Marie Kondo does yeah. it spark joy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> does the spark joy, which is also why, um, untamed artistry is not doesn't really have a plan of having an academy. So most lash brands do have an academy where they host trainings. And the reason why, although I think that that's a really good part to have as a brand and not to mention the fact that, you know, it's another source of revenue for each individual brand. But to me, I just genuinely don't find it fun. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. I don't there yeah, are a lot I, of, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way, by the way, trainers. I, I think it's the secret that people don't realize that training isn't a lot of fun. And it really work. takes a certain personality to mm-hmm. do it. And a lot of people are just doing it because of the money right now. Right. The money is yeah. so good. They'll just do it. But I think five, ten years from now, they're going to be like, hell no. No, I, yeah. I just can't keep doing this. Yeah, I have a question, Cheryl. Um, what you've said is uh, is amazing. And I just want to go a little bit deeper and get into the weeds just a little bit and see if you can um, offer our listeners any kind of practical advice going a little bit deeper. And what I mean is 
if you only say yes to the things that make you happy, um, something like eating a bunch of cake would be like, does it make me happy? Yes, mm-hmm. but is it going to make me feel good in the long term? No. Or like, I have to go clean the bathroom. You know, just, uh, so, or I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> should, like, maybe no, I should hold it. Does it bring it, me right? happy? Not going. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, like, do you have a mechanism for like? taking yourself through a process like, okay, maybe this isn't good for me. I don't want to do this long term, but it's something that I have to do. Like, can you help give our listeners a kind of a bit of advice on how to, to, to figure out if it, if it's something that's truly going to bring you joy, but might bring short term unhappiness, but it's mm-hmm. good for you. Can you, can you speak to that? Yeah, I think so. I think that if we all start with why, mm-hmm. like, why do we do the things that we do first by asking that question, it almost acts as a North star for you in your decision-making, right? There are things that, like you said, at the moment that doesn't feel like the most enjoyable thing to do. But in the long run, if it aligns with your why, if we go back to that cake eating, um, Mm -hmm. you know, example, if my goal in the long run is to, you know, live healthy Mm -hmm. so that I can live to spend enough time with my loved ones and, you know, have a body where I can move around and be comfortable in. And that's my why. Mm -hmm. Then I will, uh, when it comes to eating 20 piece of cake in one sitting, then I'll ask myself, does that align with my why? Mm, Like, mm -hmm. does this, will this lead me to like, you know, being this healthy person, spending a lot of time and run around, like even doing exercises in like sixties and seventies. Like if that's no, then I guess then no, I wouldn't eat that cake right now. So if it applies to your business, I think that most people right now, I find, because um, I do business consulting too, and I find that most people have a, you know, bottom, top to bottom approach in their business. They pick this industry, eyelash extensions, mm-hmm. right? And then they look at their neighbors and say, well, she's better than me. She charges 200. I'm going to charge 190. She's worse than me. She charged 160. I'm going to charge 170, mm-hmm. right? And then they go and look at other artists and be like, okay, well, she does filler photos. I'm going to do filler photos. And then she offers hybrid. I'm going to offer hybrid. So it's like a top-down approach where they decide to pick the industry. They look at what works for other people. They slowly narrowed it down to like what works for them. But instead, I think that you should have a like, you know, bottom up approach where you start with your why first. Mm -hmm. Why are you in this industry? Mm -hmm. What are the changes that you want to make? Right. By asking yourself that question, then you can go every decision that come in your way. You can have a filter to filter it through and ask yourself, does this align with my why? And if your why is genuinely to have fun and be happy, which I like to believe that's most people's why, Mm -hmm. then it becomes a very easy decision to make when it comes to taking a certain type of clientele or charging a certain type of price points or working at these hours, don't work at those hours, Mm. or the type of content that you want to create. It kind of all goes back to your why. And if it aligns with your why, then the decision becomes easy of, yes, do this. No, don't do that. Right. Did that answer the oh question? Oh my gosh, I think I really like you. <laughs> like you, you yeah, you said it. That's yeah. Like, yeah, you gotta figure out your why first. We have to ask, are you a Simon Sinek fan by any chance? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I just five. had a feeling, just yes. a small yeah, yeah, just a slight feeling. And if you're not a Simon Sinek reader yet, you need to go out and check him out. And check out his TED Talk. That's the mm. one that said all it all started. Students. 
who is listening to this, they already know because I drill it in them first week. This is their homework. Uh, On our onboarding week, you have to finish. Start with why. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really is. I love the bottom up approach. And I think that's a much better way of doing it. And that way you'll actually have a unique brand versus just copying everyone else in the industry, which I think is what everyone tends to do because Instagram's out there pushing out their version of the world. And you just, we tend to emulate that which is around us. But I think if you start with your why, it would change. And that's, that's why you are the last nerd, right? Because you said, you know what? I, I remember you saying, I just felt like there wasn't brands that represented me. And I was looking around and I said, I think it'd be kind of fun to do something different. And that's because it connected more with, I think, your why. And then from that, you begin to grow this idea. And good, good for you not to want to train. That's cool. I, I, I don't yeah. know of any brands that do that, actually. I think. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, I'm right? actually trying to de, uh, like democratize education and information. Like, mm-hmm. I know that this it's a very controversial thing that probably the most controversial thing that I'm saying and doing is to try to make certain part of the education free. And I think maybe this is a good chance for me to kind of clear that up for people too. I am not trying to say that I am offering training for free Mm -hmm. where you just watch my videos and you will just be able to go off and lash on your own. But I'm saying that you know, I am this person who my incentive is different, where I want to put out out today educational information content and teach you how to use all the products for free. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because that's just to me, I we talked about this, how like my obsession besides lashes is tech industry, like yeah. tech startup. It's what literally I'm trying to model my business after. Yeah. And they're extremely generous, like mm-hmm. user experience and user product support. It's the cornerstone of their business, mm-hmm. right? So it would also be mine. Well, I just want to come alongside you and say that we stand with you in that. I know that it is Thank controversial, you. but I am so with you in this. It's why like, we do this podcast, yeah, by the way. <laughs> give it away. It's We're not saying that this replaces, you know, people investing in training, their education yeah. and training and things like that. You know, we are educating our audiences and the public, and it's, it's kind of a service. It's like a public service. I think it's very generous. I think it's uh, laudable, and I'm, I stand with you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. We need more and more people to kind of like stand on our side to understand that there's still a lot of room for educators. Like, you know, educator, it's the numbers of educators are increasing every single year. The Mm -hmm. amount of money people are investing in their education is increasing every single year. So I don't think that by giving out a lot of information, even some of them are considered like my most prized possession information. I just don't really believe that that would hurt my business. So if any, that's why I think that to avoid a conflict of interest, I just don't charge for education, period, mm-hmm. at all. That makes it so much easier for me. And that is a big hell yes for me. So, well, I think it's yeah. so interesting because it's like you were saying with the tech industry and you, when you look at the tech industry and how generous they are in the information that they share, I, I'm so excited that you're taking this approach because we're the only industry that's doing it this way. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Like, and it even goes back to how salons are ran. And, you know, we talk a lot about team-based pay, um, working with strategies and running a salon that way. Why did they start doing that? Because they looked at how every other business is ran and went, why not incorporate this in the salon world? And yeah. so when I think about training and education, it's what, is, what does every other industry do that has worked for hundreds of years 
is they share information and it's like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it catches people in because why would I want to go train with somebody who I know nothing about the product, quote unquote, that they're offering me. So I only want to train with people who I've already been learning things from. And Absolutely. it's just a really interesting mindset. Yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's a lot of insecurity because this industry isn't totally developed yet. Yeah. And it's sad. It's on it. Like I look at it and I'm like, this is kind of sad. Like own the information that you have and be confident that when it actually comes to the training that they sit down and take, you're going to have enough new (laughs) stuff to share. Enough new stuff to share. And if you don't, then hey, don't train. Don't be a trainer. Well, I think a lot of people, because they're new to this thing and they've only been, let's say, training for maybe one, two, three, four years, they think the gravy train's going to end. So they they need to ride this thing out as long as they can. Or Mm -hmm. like all of us, I think all of us have self-doubts and go, what if I'm a faker? What if that's not real? What if people catch on? And what if there's too many trainers out there? Or what if the pie isn't big enough? What if the pie is not big enough? So people begin to question that and get afraid and then they act out of fear mm-hmm. and fear usually means you shut down you shut off you push people away from you and I think that's mm-hmm. just not how we're going to grow our industry I mean when she mentioned the high tech world I was mm-hmm. like oh my gosh I've me, Tuss has heard me so many times say we're building a media company that's styled after like a high tech company mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we happened by the way to do lashes and we happened by the way to um, now have a podcast but we're really about creating content and giving value and really trying to emulate. Cause I'm from the Silicon Valley. So I've always looked up to those people. We all are. Yeah, I know all three of us. And I feel like you would have grown up in the Silicon Valley. You should have. Oh. Yeah. I think so. my soul yes. was born there. Exactly. And then, you know, my got my body got trapped in China, but my soul was definitely <laughs> born there. Yeah. You know, I was like floating around Steve Jobs as he was like doing all his things yeah. for Apple. Exactly. And I so. grew up in Cupertino, so I can say that as name dropping. I actually saw Steve Jobs all the time as a kid growing up. Not that that was anything so cool. special, but so cool. uh, I didn't appreciate it at the time no nobody did no one did at the time it's like ah Steve Jobs who cares actually I always like Wozniak better let's talk about this real quick just go back to your beginnings um, because at one point you were a poker player and I think that makes you a very distinct and unique background going into lashes in fact it's gonna be fun because we've been getting to meet other people like Rakina she was in the Navy military Uh and other people we've met have these unique backgrounds so for you you're our first ever professional poker player that we've met who is now doing lashes Yeah, I know that's quite the title. But I mean, what got you into that and what led you out of that? Maybe some of the things that you were, you've been learning these last years kind of changed that. Was there expectations? Was there certain things that made you feel like compelled to do that versus lashes? Or I, I just kind of learned a little bit about that background. Okay. Um, yeah, so I actually dropped out of university, my second year of university when I was 20, um, because my friends were playing card games and I've always loved numbers. I know so Asian to me. <laughs> uh, so I loved numbers and I love card game. I've loved strategy games, board game night. is like my favorite night of the week, you know? So oh, which board games um, do you like, by the are way? Are you a gamer? Uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit, really? but not as much anymore. Uh, um, but definitely still like games in general. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. And then I got into it because my friends play professionally and I went on my first like professional poker well my first trip with other professional poker players and I really saw myself there some reason I've always liked something I like to I guess 
not dominate. That's not the right word. <laughs> but I like to. Um, okay, I always do well in a male dominant world, and poker, professional poker, was super male dominant. I think it's something like less than point one percent of the players are female or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I got into it and had a little bit of success in professional poker at the end of it i was recruited as a coach on a training site Um, that's where like my teaching experience Mm -hmm. came from very little and at the end of my poker career i was just feeling so unfulfilled Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i was having winning losing sessions that equate to like maybe an average person's annual income but I wanted, I wanted to ask you how much you ever lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The most I've ever lost. Well, like actual dollar amount, the most I've ever lost was $32,000 in a day. It was painful. (laughs) But in terms of equity wise, which is a little bit different, like in terms of equity, it means like how much you should have won, like in dollar amount. I've definitely lost more than close to like a hundred thousand dollar in equity in wow. one day oh my gosh so yeah like it's but in poker at the end of it i was just not there's no i think that we are tribal animals who all tend to find a purpose in life we all seek to make certain changes and impact mm-hmm. and that was no impact or changes I was making in mm-hmm. anybody's life mm. you mean and was, even after you won you still felt that way because it was yeah. just for you, right? You, I guess you're saying, yeah. I'm, I'm making money for me, but I'm not doing anything that ha- really like you're doing now, helping serve other people. Yeah, exactly. I've never, um, it's a lone wolf sport. Like you don't have friends, you don't have colleagues, you know, it's relatively competitive. Um, wow, it sounds being- like lashing action in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a little true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was just that un- I was feeling so unfulfilled and life wasn't fun. It mm. was just beside, and I was slowly losing the love for the game as well. Mm. Um, so I decided that I was going to quit and do something else, you know, and I got into finance because number of people, how could it go wrong? Yeah. Oh, I hated it uh. so much. Did you, <laughs> so it was a very short lived career. Did you hate it more than poker? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely hate it more than poker. I think uh, I was a financial advisor. So mm-hmm. a big part of my job, it was selling and mm-hmm. I hated selling. Uh, I just yeah. I dislike selling. I absolutely dislike selling things that I didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why if I talk about my product the way I talk about it. It's because I genuinely like am the biggest fan of my products. Yeah. Otherwise, I couldn't even fake it. That's the thing. I like couldn't yeah. even fake it. Um, so yeah. And then after going into uh, lashing, it was really, I never thought that I would be where I am. Mm-hmm. I got into it because I've always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never had that it idea. Like, what is the it idea? No idea. You know, I just knew that I wanted to be my own boss. And I was never going to go from playing poker to back to a job when I've never had a regular job before. So, um, I became, I started lashing as an artist and I started getting this reputation as the artist who lash all the lash artists in Toronto because Mm -hmm. my retention was amazing. My work was really good at a reasonable price point. So a lot of lash artists came to get lashes done by me and they were like, 
hmm, why don't you teach? Because you seem kind of nerdy and you dive into these rabbit holes all the time when you like learn something. So I say, okay, sure. Why not? And then that's when um, I kind of found my footing in the industry. Uh, that goes back to what we talked about, this whole happiness thing. Mm-hmm. I actually left last year in June uh, to pursue my happiness, which is learning another language. Uh, I always wanted to learn Spanish. And I thought the best way to learn Spanish is go to a Spanish-speaking country and then go to Spanish school there and then learn Spanish. So me and my boyfriend packed up our bags. We moved to Spain for like three weeks. I went to Spanish school to try to like learn Spanish. Coming back, I was going to be a food blogger. Super strange. I know. I also really <laughs> like cooking. Um, and I made a video because at that time, to my knowledge, I was the only person who didn't offer infills in North America or in my city in my, at, yeah. at least. All new uh, sets, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of the the uh, European, Russian thing. Yeah, the Europeans, exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to make a video about it. A lot of people had asked me, why do you not offer infills? Why do you only do it the way you do it? So I did this whole IGTV about, you know, I because I didn't want to choose between traveling and my clients. So I wanted to be able to not set expectations I couldn't meet. And I could meet the expectation of you coming and I do a full set, but I couldn't meet the expectation of you coming back every two to three weeks to do infills. And I kind of just build the business model kind of on what I want to do. And even no matter how counterintuitive it may seem or no matter how the industry, how unpopular it is in the industry. And since then, I've been following my counterintuitive intuition. And I will have to say that it's leading me to the right direction or, mm-hmm. or at least I think it is. No, I, um, I think what you shared, I remember just with your whole idea when you started this business, I think most people say, well, if you want to be successful, you have to copy these other ABC brands and just follow down the same path. And in fact, when I, we've even talked about what we're doing with us and I've, I'm always kind of, cause I'm kind of a nerd and I'm, and Erica laughs at that usually like, okay, they're there. And I just always feel like, but this is who we are. I mean, there is a cool, sexy side in me somewhere, I guess, but that's not really who I am. I can't fake that. I'm not going to pretend that. Mm-hmm. And I've had, I've had people come and tell me, you know what you're doing on Instagram is really lame. Yours is old dude. And you aren't. <laughs> Cool. People have told you that? Yes, what? yes. Oh, and, my God. I didn't even know this. Yeah, I know. It's not a lot. It's not like I have a line of people like, hey, go tell Paul he sucks. But there's just been, <laughs> a, there's been a couple here and there. And it's just, and it's, I've always had this self-doubt. Like, you know, but at the same time, I feel like our podcast is growing. LashCon is going to be huge. And we're having a little bit of impact. And I think we're doing good work. And I think yeah. it's counterintuitive to think that some 53-year-old guy should be talking to 20, 30-something-year-old women about lashes and business. That just doesn't seem like a natural thing to do, but I just stuck with it, and it's getting to be a lot of fun. And I think that's for you, it sounds like you went on that journey, and you've, you're beginning to trust your counterintuition, as you called yeah. it. And it's getting a little stronger, and hopefully because of that, you'll be a little bolder and make bigger moves, I guess. Yeah, I think that as an industry, we're all really grateful that you also went against those other people, naysayers, and still do what you do because I think it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to be different. It's not easy. Most people aren't. It's not because, you know, they're not original in their own way. It's because of fear, right? Fear, yeah. Like, yeah. So I think for me, Untame, it's not – 
um, it's not just a lash brand because I think that's maybe why it's different. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't see lashes as an expression of beauty, but mm-hmm. I think of it as an expression of creativity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want it to be. I want people that wear sweatpants and don't really, you know, dress up and don't wear makeup, don't even wear lashes themselves, but can see it as an outlet for their creativity. Lash extension is just a medium that they chose to express themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's so, so true. You're right on yeah. with that. And I was one of the things I remember you sharing when we talked beforehand that I found interesting is that you kind of though had this crisis right last year in June, and you were ending lashes in a sense and maybe going this new journey and all that. Yep. What was guiding you through all this, and it brought you back. It seemed like with ferocity to just double down and go for lashes now. I mean, what were some of those questions? I think that's where a lot of people are at in this industry. They've done lashes for a little bit. They're maybe really good. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're having retention issues, whatever it is they're struggling with. And they're wondering, can I really do this for 10, 20, 30, 40 more years? Or, you know, this is just a stage. I'm just going to do this for a couple of years and I'll find my next passion. And Mm -hmm. I think for you, you kind of had that, sounds like maybe you can go into that crisis and how you worked through it and how you decided really dive into untamed artistry so for me yeah absolutely I definitely had that feeling starting lashing wasn't something that I thought I was going to do long term it was supposed to be my stepping stone until I found my quote-unquote it idea and it gives me this like brief experience of running my own business because you got to wear multiple hats and all that stuff Um, But then uh, it all goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, the start with why thing. Mm -hmm. My why isn't to create beautiful lashes. My why isn't even to provide the best products out there. My why is that I wanted to make an impact to show people that it's okay to draw outside the box. I wanted to show people that it's okay to be different. That's why our tagline or slogan for Untamed is dare to be different, Mm -hmm. right? And that really – and I use this as my expression of my creativity because when I came back, I made this video about why I don't do full set, how I traveled and all that stuff. And then I just, my DM just blew up. Like everyone was just messaging me saying how, oh my God, like you took the words out of my mouth. This is how I've been feeling. So uninspired, you know, so burned out. And I just couldn't, you know, hold on to why I'm doing what I do. And I even got Maven, which is like, my role model, you know, (laughs) Maven reached out to me and she told me how impactful that video was and that she made her whole class watched it Mm. when she saw it. And that's when I was like, oh my God, like, and that's when I realized that what I wanted to do wasn't be a food blogger. What I wanted to do wasn't be a blogger of any sort. What I wanted to do was have a platform where I can get women like-minded women like me who and may men. not necessarily be <laughs> or men, or men, yes, <laughs> like-minded men and women like me who may not necessarily are just in it for the beauty, but are in it for a learning experience, fun, community, creativities, mm-hmm. and all these things. And I just needed a platform mm-hmm. to kind of like rally up these women to put a common cause behind it and have them all join the team, join mm-hmm. the team of like, you know, I don't, can I swear? Sure. <laughs> you sure can. <laughs> like join the team that's like, fuck the boundaries, fuck mm-hmm. the boxes, right? Like, yeah. and I wanted to do that. And food blogging was just another medium that I would have chose because I like cooking. 
But lashing now is a way more effective medium because I already had this mature, cultivated, diehard fans that's there telling me that like, Cheryl, we feel the same. Mm. Like we feel the same as you. We feel trapped in this world where we've been told how to live, what to do, how to express ourselves, how to present ourselves, how to carry ourselves. And I just wanted to be able to create the safe space to have people know that like whatever it is that you choose, high fashion, vogue, nerdy, hippie, I don't know, whatever you it's fine. It's who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's always so much more important for you to look inwards before you start expressing yourself outwards. That's great. Okay. So I want to tease this apart. What I hear you saying is that you are giving, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're giving us the permission to think outside of the box. So if something strikes us and, and, and we want to put a post that's just kind of wacky and out there and we don't have makeup on and we don't have our hair done, but we just want to do something a little bit silly might even be a little bit off brand, but heck, it's kind of our authentic self. It's okay to do that, right? Absolutely. I'm known for showing up on my Matcha Monday with no makeup, sometimes chocolate stain on my same grumpy sweater. Like, that's <laughs> kind of like my thing. Whenever someone asks me, like, Cheryl, like, it's easy for you because, you know, you can show up and you don't mind talking in front of the camera. And, like, but that's not true. I think for me, it's because. When I show up in front of the camera, I don't think about me. I'm not attaching my identity to the content that I create, but instead I think about the recipients of the content, right? And I think for every time when you're creating a content and tell yourself that, you know, my hair isn't done right today, or I don't feel confident, I'm not a great public speaker, all of this that you're doing are excuses for you to not show up, Mm -hmm. you know? You're making this about you, not about your audience, not about your recipients, not about the people who can benefit from. Like people make fun of me all the time for my spelling error, grammatic error. Like, (laughs) thank God I have a copywriter now who really understands my voice. But hey, like to me, when I think about it is this is a really good piece of information. So you should have it with spelling errors, with grammatic error. Take it, you know? So. You're my hero right now. I just yeah. want to say that I I confess, I confess that I do not get online. I do not put myself out there a lot because I, I am really... Um, self-conscious. Self-conscious. Yeah. I'm self-conscious. My hair is not done. I'm going to look like that. It's going to be out there for all posterity. I hear other people's voices in my head. It's... It, in a way, it's kind of self-absorbed because I'm thinking it, it's about all about me, me yeah. right? And, and what you're saying is that, is that it's not. So I'm going to take this as a challenge. Hey. I'm going to take this as a challenge. Get, we'll get yes. Tessany online yes. more. Yes, I'm going to wow. show up with unhydrated skin, I'm sure, and, <laughs> and, and a nasty no, looking okay. cut. After your seven day water fast, you'll be hydrated. <laughs> yeah. AF. yeah, you'll be so. no problem. There must be a no skeleton problem. with that's super hydrated. Yeah. Yes. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that challenge, and I'm just gonna be like I'm channeling Cheryl. Yes. Well, yeah. I actually think that that's really key because. What I hear over and over and over is that our Instagram is just a a peek into our life Mm -hmm. and it should just be about the brand and it should just be like your curated posts. And that's, that is okay for some people. For some people that's, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, the lane that they want to be in and that's fine. But I think that it actually stifles creativity and it stifles the truth of what you what you want to talk about and what you want to share. And I, I think that, you know, sooner or later 
I think it's really going to just catch up to the industry. I think it is starting to happen already, but I think these like curated posts that are just like, you know, everything doesn't have to be a magazine perfectly edited, you know? And I think that it's cool because the brand that you're building is the unfiltered brand and that's attracting the people that want to be like that too. And in the very least want to feel comfortable, you know, like engaging with you and, and it just makes you really approachable and mm-hmm. personable. And I just, yeah, I think we all commend you for it. We're super excited. Yeah. I think you're yeah, right. Rather- w- oh, go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to kind of also like, you know, take this opportunity, kind of like voice another unpopular opinions of oh, mine as bring well. Bring it on. Bring thanks it on. To, uh, thanks to Jamie there. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Um, I say this with the most amount of love for our industry, but I do find that our industry in a way, it's maybe one of the more entitled industry that I've ever came across in mm. all these different industries that I have an interest in. What I mean by that is that I feel like in our industry, every artist are on Instagram and not using Instagram. Hmm. They're on Instagram because Instagram is a platform for them to showcase who they are, but to their peers. So Hmm. when you are writing things like, you know, 5X certified by (laughs) so-and-so, it's not really that meaningful to your audience no. or to your your nothing it means nothing if you have like, a bad attitude or if you're not actually good or if you took the certification and then did nothing with it yeah mm-hmm. you know pointless. yeah Sorry, like i, I just drop. find that like people tend to create content a mimicking their inspirations who mm-hmm. tend to be educator, which are talking to the complete different audience. Exactly. And then secondly, they're doing all of their engagement within the industry where our job as an industry, it's expand the usage of eyelash extensions. Mm-hmm. And that That's doesn't right. happen by just talking to each other. No, <laughs> no, no, you're <laughs> so right. You're so right. Unless, I mean, unless you become the stylist who does everyone's lashes in Toronto, then it makes <laughs> exactly. sense. But it otherwise... Does, it does depend on what you're trying to build. If you're trying to be a trainer, then yeah, engage Absolutely. with... But yeah. yeah, I think you're you're totally right. But I think most people are trying to get clients right. who will come into their room and do get lashes, and they're trying to emulate trainers and product brands and all that. And I think this is such a big miss. And I think it would really be interesting to hear more people who are running salons themselves and mm-hmm. how they're yeah. getting clients than hearing a trainer. Or no offense to all my friends who are trainers of product companies because I love them all. They're yeah. all great. But they don't do that all day. In fact, I the same tactics they use to get lash professionals is not the same you're going to use to get the mom around the corner who takes her kids to soccer it's just not the same approach it's a little bit different yeah i once asked somebody like you know what's um what does isolation mean to you and she's like well it's me sitting on an island by myself like you know (laughs) like they don't like they don't understand what cc seven millimeters cc and all that means like instead like speak the language of your audience right exactly and i think that that's just like if we want practicality in terms of tips right think about your instagram algorithm in your explore page on your instagram 
if you're doing your job right, your explore page should show you more potential customers and mm-hmm. potential prospect that fits in the same demographic and psychographic, right? But if you are constantly searching eyelash extension, engaging with other lash artists, your explore page would only shows up eyelash artist pages content as well as I don't know nail people that you follow or whatever <laughs> your personal interest is and you will have no like you know your Instagram algorithm couldn't even help you optimize your reach and your search so for those of you who don't know there's a little tip you can actually go and clear your search engine on your Instagram so that it's kind of like clearing your cookie on your web browser so you can start brand new and Instagram can rewrite that algorithm for you and then now go out there and engage with your potential prospect engage with people that fits into your demographic and your psychographic and then Instagram algorithm would do the work for you and start prompting you more people like those people on your explore page see that explains why i have monkeys don't i mean <laughs> eating bananas and eating hot dogs on my feed is because i just i we all know what paul's interested yeah yeah monkeys i love monkeys a person's explore page tells you a lot yeah kind of like your netflix suggestion yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) which i also have to have monkeys on my netflix too which is really bizarre but anyhow i i think what it's really cool what you said that that's really key and then one of the things that i was doing before we close our salon is i was actually beginning to dm people separately we actually had two pages we had our instagram for lash cast which we made very focused on lash professionals and then we did our personal integrity lash page which focused on local people and yeah. i've also heard this too aside from flushing your kind of your cash so to speak another thing to do is just unfollow all the lash artists on your page yeah just get rid I of them the don't you don't yeah. need them. They do not help your algorithm. They just hurt you yeah. in every way possible. So um, follow them all. Have two pages. If you really plan to start a brand or training or something else, start a page just for that. And then make your salon focus just on people in your local area. And I would just DM people. I'd say, hey, would love to have you come in. Sometimes offer specials. I would, or I would tag them. I would do geolocation stuff. I would just do whatever I could to try to start connecting with people locally and, and how to build an audience that way. For, and then eventually, if, you know, unfortunately, I, I just started doing this before we closed our salon, but I know if I kept going at it, we would slowly transition our page completely over to a local kind of impact. I knew the people I had researched, I had looked for people who were influencers, micro influencers in yeah, our local area who had, you know, maybe 3,000, 4,000 followers, but I would see that they're ahead of mommy groups or, you know, parent organizations or, or even for us a lot where um, nurses were really mm-hmm. big ones for us mm-hmm. and you find those type of groups you start infiltrating and connecting and tagging and before you know it you'll start seeing them follow back and commenting and you start building that relationship absolutely it's a slow burn but it's definitely worth the effort because finding those micro influencers it's huge for your business yeah but most people just don't really like i think people just need to redirect their energy in their social media strategy towards more um just understanding your audience knowing who you're talking to right and yourself are lash artists the people who's putting money in my bank account? Yeah. Are they the one that's going to fly over from the state that they're in to come and get their services done by me? Probably not, right? So So I think basically the lesson here is just unfollow everyone, but 
Untamed Artistry <laughs> and, yeah, and Lash Cast. Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. then yep. just follow people locally. But we are your trusted source for information and we're like exactly. the we're like CNN. And you can be exactly. Fox, you can be Fox News. You know we're actually <laughs> shooting ourselves in the foot because then we are destroying the network effect of I know. Yeah. marketing. But hey, I like I said, I always vow to be transparent and yeah. truthful. And so even if it means, you know, shooting my own business in the foot sometimes. I mean, Gary V does that. I mean, Gary V's, you know, more lately I've seen him doing this. He's like, stop following me. Stop mm-hmm. watching. If you've gotten your content, you're starting to do stuff. Stop watching my videos. Stop paying attention to me. You don't need me anymore. Move on. Because he just says the same thing. He does. The same five things. Yeah, he's like, his fa- <laughs> five things. And once you get it, you got it. Okay, yeah. move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to That's sit true. there every day and go, I need my inspiration from Gary Vee. I've been doing this for <laughs> 20 years. I'm like, dude, 20 years of Gary Vee, you're, you, you're really missing something here. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> time to move on at least to some other guy that inspire you. You know, Lori Harder or something. So anyhow, that's really cool. One of the things too, I think we'll maybe wrap up on this was just starting a brand and starting your business. And you went to Korea and you did a lot of research and you had a partner you shared with me a little bit. I mean, we just shared me that journey because you obviously came back from Spain and had this refocus, this aha moment to get back into lashes and and make this your thing. And then you were telling me about how you found someone you wanted to partner and you wanted to go in the product. You just felt like there wasn't a brand that represented you. And we've gone yeah. over that. So then what was it like to get started with a brand? Because I think a lot of people are thinking, I want to start a brand. I want to start a brand. And, and maybe not for the right reasons. Maybe they need to, again, go from the bot- top, bottom up, right? Really find out yep. why you want to do that. But for exactly. those who are going, no, no, I still do. And we're going to be addressing this at LashCon. I'll do my daily plug on it. LashCon, mm-hmm. we have one seminar that's going to be companies sharing about starting a second business. And, yep. and life after lashing is what we called it. And oh, so, I like it. Yeah, so it'll be, I, you can give a little preview of, I guess, from your perspective, you know, what, what it took. Because I don't think people realize it's not really an easy task to go start a lash brand. Absolutely. And I'm no, by no means trying to like smother anyone's dream here. But let me just tell you guys, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy and it's not cheap. But um, for me, really, it's because, like I said, when I came back, I had a partner who I that was really, really great at execution. And she also spoke Korean, which is extremely helpful for me as well. So I thought if I was going to do it, I have to get to, you know, from ground zero. I had to go and meet the manufacturers. So I flew out in April to kind of to Asia to meet with all the top manufacturers that I can gather information on. And then coming back, um, my partner actually wasn't really comfortable with like, you know, this whole, you know, taking a leap of faith and doing something. I talked her into quitting her job in the bank, (laughs) which I'm extremely guilty of uh, because I truly believed in her and us as a team. But I think that it's really hard for her to transition from that corporate world into a startup world. And so now I'm left with half a baby there and I'm like, well, I got to give it life because I really do see that there's a market for it. Um, I would have to say that honestly, if your reason to get into a brand and starting a product, it's because you genuinely feel that there is a lack of 
demand, like lack of fill needs being fulfilled by a certain brand, then yes, that would be the direction that you want to go. But in terms of quality or product wise, I would even be the first to say all the products in the next five years in terms of qualities are going to be very comparable and very competitive. Mm -hmm. So I think that at the end of the day, it's a difference between buying Nikes or Adidas. So it's a brand preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so say it's a like, commodity, right? I mean, it's, it yeah. is a commodity. I always say it's toothpicks, guys. I, I hate to say it, but we're selling toothpicks. You sell really nice toothpicks or just common toothpicks. And of course, you can have your favorite toothpick, but in the end, it's toothpicks. It's not, we're not creating um, high end telephones or our computers. Exactly. That, it's not revolutionary. That's no. the thing. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that because it's almost what we've built ourselves because we ask each other, oh, you're getting that retention. Well, what glue are you using? But the conversation, I know at least like with, with Carrie Designs and us, and I've heard other people talk about it, it isn't about the adhesive, it's about your technique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes. I did hear or see that you have a magnetic adhesive, which oh, yeah. I wanted you to talk about. Maybe we can table that for a second. But yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, so for me, it's being able to meet with a manufacturer and actually meeting with someone who creates the formula and being able to tell them exactly what it is that we're looking for. So it is the wrong question to ask when you ask somebody, what's your favorite adhesive? Mm -hmm. Because all cyanoacrylate, the active ingredient itself, works very, very similar. Mm -hmm. They all cure at the exact same environment. It's the additive inside that changes and manipulate the drying time and, you know, the viscosity and things like that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just basically simply gave him what I was looking for in adhesive and knowing at a trusted source that somebody is using extremely high quality ingredients. And that's the difference between our adhesive, maybe with other adhesive is the type of ingredients that we're using, the type of cyanoacrylate that we're using. It has a little bit more flexibility in it. And it also, it's more pure in, we don't have any it doesn't have a ton of additives that other adhesive tends to have. So it is does run on a thinner side. Mm. Um, it doesn't have a thicker viscosity and things like that. But overall, I think it's just the quality of the manufacturer. In the future, when people all get to using the highest quality product, the highest sourcing, the highest quality raw material, the product itself will be pretty similar. But what makes us stand out is that product support. Mm. Is mm-hmm. We literally are offering product support like a tech company so we send out emails um, giving people we are starting a YouTube channel that's going to be posting a YouTube content every single week we actually send out uh, content to ask people how are you using your adhesive do you have any feedback if you tell me like what you're going through we have what we call the geek squad um, to kind of like help you troubleshoot all of your issues. And I think that that's what's the differentiating thing about our brand and other brand. That's awesome. Is that, mm-hmm. no, that's super cool. Yeah. I don't believe the experience ends at the time you hit checkout, right? Totally. Or no. the moment you yeah. receive your product. The yeah. experience ends at that three, four weeks retention, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be there all along the whole entire journey to be able to guide people through the usage. As we all know now at this point, a lot of, I guess, poor experience with product comes with 
um, you know, poor application techniques, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you should read a book um, by Joey Coleman called Never Lose a Customer Again. Because he oh. actually talks about the, the companies over the last 30 years and how they differentiate themselves. And he goes through uh, things like, well, back in the ni- ni- 1990s, Dell became very different by being the first company to really customize your computer for you. And then, and then you had other companies. There's these are different phases of development of sales. But really, he says, we're now in the stage where everyone can get things on demand. Everything has high quality. Like before 1980... Things broke all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you'd yeah. buy stuff and they'd just break. And then Japan, <laughs> Tok- it was it was Toyota and Honda that came with this idea like never fail. We would have a 100% fail or never fail rate for our products. Yeah. And so all of a sudden that became a new standard. And, and so now we're in this age where the only real difference that you're going dif- to be able to separate yourself from other companies is by your service. service because yeah. your whole experience, not just experience of buying, like you said, it's the whole experience from start to finish. And he says in the first hundred days the mm. first hundred days is key and you Absolutely. will get a returning customer if you can make that experience amazing like you i know you do those weekly emails i know you've um you said you i even got an email said thank you for buying the glue by the way i didn't <laughs> but really? I, yeah it was just fine i guess what? i got somehow got mixed in the bag there but i appreciate <laughs> oh, the thank yeah. you it was, it was like that's very sweet and i just remember you you were trying to reach out to people and show that you really cared and i think that's really cool and uh i think that's a good step in the right direction and that will separate you from everyone and that's how you will other companies and this is something people can take home in their own salons it isn't just a product issue it's also how you treat your salon we're actually going to be talking about this a little bit at LashCon and one of our classes about trying to create that experience but it's not just a one moment in the room it's from the first time they call you the way they find you mm-hmm. how you follow up to the second appointment to the third appointment There's every ways, interaction every interaction mm-hmm. making it amazing and, and up, intentional uh, intentional and then all of a sudden you're going to create raving fans because of that and it sounds like that's totally your wiring and how you're trying yeah, to do it absolutely there's a huge difference between when someone asks you for your quote how much do you charge extension and you just go hybrid 150 volume one 200 i'm just making a random numbers but like there's a huge difference between that and hey barbara um thank you for reaching out before i can give you my price list what are you getting this extensions for and what's your intention and like just by asking a question mm-hmm. that set yourself apart from anyone you go from med- making people you're changing that decision choice right yeah. from choosing a commodity of 120 dollars to 150 dollars or to an experience yeah right so yeah yeah i remember i would on the when i was front desk for a few years people would call and i felt my job was educating people that was my job front desk educator so people would yeah. call and i would never answer the question right away what's your price and I, exactly what you said i said well what what are you getting them for and i'd ask them questions and i would answer any questions they had too because often they said the front desk just want to get them off the phone boom get off the phone get off the phone and and move on to the next phone call and i was willing to sit there for five ten sometimes 15 minutes explain everything they didn't know about lashes and, and it made them fans even before they came in the salon. And it was amazing. Yep. And I know that yeah. not everyone can do that because they're doing lashing. We were fortunate. We had a team. I was the only person focused on front desk. 
but there are ways you can still kind of recreate that experience and how you communicate with people, whether it's your email, automatic responses you have through texting or whatever. You can still do things a little bit more thoroughly, Absolutely. especially with the advent of technology. There's so many tools now available to us to communicate more effectively. So I think that's great. And I hope uh, as a result of that, we'll see much more of you in the years to come and seeing your brand really grow because of that. Because I think that's going to be really a, a differentiator for you compared. I mean, I love these other brands. I'm not downing anyone here, because, but I think a lot of people we're going to have to step up their game too in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just something different. I just wanted to bring something a little different to the table. Yeah. No, that's how you stand out. So for you with starting the brand, was there a lot of money though you had to spend for this? Did you have to buy a lot of product first and try it? I mean, how did that whole process work? To f- and also by the way, I guess second question is while you went to Korea, a lot of stuff is made in China. So do you, did you have to go to China too to get stuff? Yeah. Or do you, okay. So you, yeah. I did go to China as well um, and as well as Korea. So in Korea for me, it was mainly for me to source my adhesive and my fiber. And then in China is where a lot of, I guess, a lot of the newer lash extensions are being created in China at the moment. But there's so big manufacturers in Korea that they don't necessarily produce the products. They mm-hmm. actually have it produced in Vietnam because uh, labor costs is much cheaper. Yeah. But they do final packaging and inspection in Korea and they outsource their actual raw material. Whereas China still has a little bit of a way to go with their raw material. I've looked at the PBT um, under mag- magnifying glass like 1,000 times and there's still a difference between a Korean PBT and a Chinese PBT hmm. In terms of their pores, porousness, is that the word? Porosity. Porosity, yes. Mm -hmm. And that does, um, we, as we know, that that plays a role in your retentions and your connection as well for the adhesive. And so I think that for me, I think right now our um, products are sourced in Korea. But we are working on pre-made fans because that's where like all hands on deck at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because if I were to predict the future of our industry, I truly, truly believe the future of our industry in five years, uh, handmade fans will become obsolete. Just because from an economic standpoint and from a business standpoint, no industry will evolve backwards. They will all evolve forwards and to become more optimized, more efficient um, and those of you who are listening, don't get scared. This doesn't mean that just because you handmade fans and then in the future, pre-made fans are going to take over your business and then you're going to have to be, compete that much harder. But like we talked about before, how if your differentiating point is your customer service experience, it's your con- consultation, it's your follow-up, all of this or styling, mm-hmm. you know, styling, all yeah. of this. Yeah, all of this will still make you stand out. There's still room for luxury eyelash extensions. But if we want eyelash extension to become more and more common, we have to cut down the time. Like I appointment can, time. Yeah. Tess is about to I'm, jump I'm, all I over this I can't even, one. like, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you because I totally agree with you. She didn't do pre-made. Or just never I mean, I know how to do that. I've taken classes on it. But I am, like, why struggle? Why? Why? Because it's it's cost. It's cost effective. It's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. And you can create, yeah, I think I'm totally in agreement with you that that's where the future is. And I think, well, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Here. I was just going to say, and pre-maids are just going to get better and better and better, yep. which is what Absolutely. I think you guys are looking into right now. But yeah, yeah exactly. like people are like, so afraid of them because they've been very like, I mean, you can spot a pre-made fan from a mile away because it looks really different than a handmade, but I think that's changing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Our pre-made fan that we just received um, this round, it literally looks better than 
90% of the handmade fans out there. The mm-hmm. symmetry, the pointy base, the short base, like everything we're looking for in a handmade fan. And I'm still trying, like I am a diehard rapper. So I rap. Yes, mm-hmm. that's my part-time job. Go ahead, rapper. start rapping right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like I rap my fans. So that's what contributed to my great retention. So I am still trying to ask myself the question of like, how do I, I think this problem I'm trying to solve right now with our pre-made fan isn't how it looks anymore. Right now, the problem I'm trying to solve is how it lasts. Yeah. How you get retention. Yeah. Yeah. That means we're ready are so much more ahead of like what pre-made fan looks like back then. And I think that, you know, like a good analogy, I think, would be like imagine the 1700s, people who drew portraits, right, mm-hmm. before photography was invented. And, you know, that was their job and they were really skillful at it. And that's what they get paid lots of money to do. As camera came along, that doesn't mean that photography or portraits has devalued. Instead, now we have better and better portraits because of different cameras we can use, edit effect and all mm-hmm. these things. It's now we're just taking certain task out of it but giving room for more creativity and new way for you to like stand out and be different right so yeah yeah. no i'm glad you said that because that's that's just life the human history is new things come up new technologies and they tend to get demonized at first the railroad you know the train was demonized sewing machines the automobile was demonized you know what's going to happen to all the horses you know i mean you just (laughs) We got through it somehow, you know, and it's yeah. going to happen again here with lashes. And I know a lot of people are holding on. I spent like $8,000 on training. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It made you who you are today. And you're going to take that training with you forward. And you're going to use pre-made fans eventually. Yeah. <laughs> New education curriculum is going to come out. There's going to be master styling, layering, mm-hmm. you know, business things like right now we're still i think our industry is very archaic in the way it runs business but it's very advanced in developing new like you know technology Mm -hmm. and improving our process and application but maybe in the future that's where we'll spend our money on invest our money in the business side right i i hope so there's this thing there's this thing there's a thing called lashcon yeah Yeah, they call lashcon happening in october 19th to 21st yeah tell me about it tell me about it oh yeah it's a great conference where where um, you will learn how to run your lash business from a business standpoint. We have lots of great speakers coming on, great panelists, and they're going to teach you everything you need to do to thrive and grow as a lash entrepreneur. Hey, <laughs> I think that was awesome. That applause was good. Applause, applause. <laughs> and by the way, we're going to have a great volunteer helping you guys be greeted and welcome there. So Cheryl will be yeah. there. In fact, I think it's a good enough reason to sign up right to come now. come meet her. Get, yeah, Absolutely. get your tickets. Come see Cheryl. Yes. Uh, yes, get you together, come hang out with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be fun. <laughs> so, well, I think this has been wonderful, and I, I knew we'd really enjoy getting to talk to you, and we can keep going on, but I think we're going to stop here, and we'll just have to come back we'll another time. We'll have to have you back, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. This has been yeah. really fun. No, very special. I would love to. Yes. And I guess we should do this. I don't always do this. Where do where can people find you? Because I know you are online some places, yeah. and it'd be cool for we get some so, followers from this. You guys can find me on at untamed artistry, untamed dot artistry on Instagram, and that's where I will be doing a weekly live on Monday called the Matcha Monday, where I answer all of your questions and kind of just shoot the shit with everybody. And I will be responding to all DMs on Sunday to Tuesday, and then rest of the day will be my team handling all your questions. But if you want to chat with me personally, um, the best way to get to me is probably through email, Cheryl 
Carol at untamedartistry.ca. And then check out our YouTube. We have YouTube. We have Facebook. We have a Facebook group called the Untamed Lash Community. Um, if you guys want to join that <laughs> as well, that's where I'll be hanging out here and there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast and we'll do it again soon. Well, that wraps up our session with Cheryl. Hopefully you guys enjoyed getting to know her a little bit and hopefully we'll have her back sometime. And now we're on to the next segment where we answer your questions I still don't have a name for this, guys, so I need you to help us. DM me, email me, call, give me a call. I don't care. Smoke signals, whatever it is. Let me know what you think this segment should be. It's like, last cast questions, and we'll come up with a jingo, uh, jingle, jingo, whatever it is, and um, help us out with this. We need to know what to call this segment, but until then, we'll just call it Paul, Tusty, and Erica answering your questions. Super sexy. I got it. So let's get into it. <laughs> Okay, we're going to deal with a question. We don't have any audio questions, but we do have people who have either DM'd or emailed us and such. And I have an email or a DM from Bear Bellina, at Bear Bellina on Instagram. And this is her question. Does lash adhesive really expire after three to four weeks, or is it a marketing gimmick companies do to get more money? Good question. So what um, that expiration is, is I think that you should take it as a guideline. Okay, the manufacturer know their product pretty well. Um, and if they say that their adhesive, once it's open, after three to four weeks that it expires, generally you can take that as a guideline. However, the, the product is still good if it's still liquid and not stringy in the mm -hmm. package. And let's say you like it a little bit stringy, then it's still good for you. Uh, when it's not usable is when it's all um, hardened, right? If there is, if there <laughs> it's is completely solid thing, I can't get it. Just like a big thing. clump that right. comes out. <laughs> if there is condensation or humidity, wetness in the bottle, or it's going to change the composition of the adhesive, it's going to make it thicker, um, more viscous. It can even harden it all the way. Once it gets to that point, then it's not good anymore. But it's not like a drug that will, you know, the molecules change and it can it can be become harmful if you use it. If you can squirt it out and drop it onto your palate, then it's fine to use. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a guideline. You know, you might have a more arid uh, environment and it, it's still good. So just go by if you can dispense it still. It's not going to explode on your kind of experience. Flushes. You just got to keep trying yeah. to find what you like because, again, glue is so personal. It's yeah. so different from each person. Someone may like it a little longer. I know Tustin's glues, I think you go sometimes six weeks yeah. before you throw out a glue. Well, here's the thing. I actually prefer it a little bit viscous. I prefer it to have a little bit of body to it. I like the glue at the end of, of its life instead of at the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. That's, But that's my personal thing. Yeah. So what I've done is, because I feel like it also really depends on the climate that you're in. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what I do every time I open a new glue is I date it. I don't even... I don't even read the packaging. I don't know what the manufacturer tells me I should do. <laughs> so I just, I date it and then I pay attention to how it's performing and then I change accordingly. Yeah. And it, it it's different in the summer than it is in the winter and it, it's just really different. So I think that like, I don't know, to answer that question, I think that the the supplier you're buying from wants you to have the best experience yes. with their adhesive. And I don't think it's like evil plans. No, or... yeah, no, I don't, no, no, no. yeah. Treat it like milk. The milk's got a best before or, you know, sell by this date. Sometimes... I like it when it's chunky. 
I was going to say, well, milk definitely expires. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. It definitely expires, but you can you tell. You can chew it. You have a problem. You can tell, right? <laughs> so you smell it. And if it's like, uh, well, that's too yeah. sour. Or, you know, if it's one day after. Tusty, by the way, likes it when it does sour. <laughs> I'm just going to share She's, a personal okay, preference She likes here. her milk <laughs> viscous. Stop it. The kids she likes have her this milk joke. Like her glue. The kids have this joke that they're like, I went to to drink some milk and I'm like, wow, this milk tastes so fresh. And, um, and it yeah. was like really not. It was, <laughs> it was super I, I'm like, sour. Taste this fre- fresh oh. milk. Oh I, but I like buttermilk, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's so disgusting. <laughs> but I, I do not drink milk anymore. But I think for, yeah, we're, we're, none of us do here, but I don't know about Erica, but we don't, us two, I should say that yeah, we collectively. I shouldn't. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I don't in the near future. future. Okay. Good. Yeah, go. I gave it up a few years ago. My I future self back. does not drink it. Yeah. <laughs> But I think the big thing is don't throw it out. If it's perfectly working for you, yeah. don't throw it at that point. That's yeah. not the time to throw it out. It's like, oh, three weeks, psh, out the window. And hopefully there's someone below to catch it. But I think <laughs> you should just wait like, till it gets to the point where you can't use it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's oh, right. that's not working. Always having their glue ready. Don't be like waiting like, oh, crap, I have to go call and order one and have to use this crappy glue now for a few days. That's not good either. So yeah. I just think it's a really personal preference. And that's, I think, a, a good response. I think that's becoming the common response for most glues out there. <laughs> Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much for checking in and listening today. You can follow us on Instagram at LashCastPodcast. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And don't forget to submit your questions via audio. We really want to grow this part of our show and really make it personalized for you guys. Well, on behalf of our Lash experts, Tusney and Erica, as well as our special guest, Cheryl, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.